Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's good? It's Black Trey, and I got a show called Growing Up the Same with Jason Madison, where we talk to guests about their childhood memories that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You even get some life advice at the end. Our show has featured guests like Dom Kennedy, JJ Reddick, Baron Davis, Brian Koppelman, Bomani Jones, Mina Kimes, and many more. Be sure to check us out on the Black Opinions Matter feed under the Count the Dings Network. Oh yeah, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. And also subscribe, rate, and review to the separate Growing Up the Same feed. Hi everyone, Tim Kitzer here from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you're listening to Growing Up the Same with Trayvon Edwards and Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka. And now here's your starting lineup. Trayvon Edwards, Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka. Today, we're joined by a special guest, like a very, very special guest. Also, it is our year anniversary, so this is definitely a special episode. We have 
the beautiful Ananda Lewis. How you doing? Hi, guys. What's up, Trevon? What's up, Jason? How y'all? Yes. Happy anniversary. Thank, Thank you. It's <laughs> a great wow. way to spend it. <laughs> For That's sure. crazy. Y'all started this in the middle of a pandemic. I know. And we, we've been rocking pretty tough. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, this is how we're spending our, our first years. It's a good way to spend it. <laughs> Um, so let me introduce you. Ananda Lewis is an American television host, carpenter, former model, and social activist. She was an MTV VJ from the late 90s until 2001. She left the network to host her own broadcast syndicated television talk show, The Ananda Lewis Show. She's a correspondent for The Insider from 2004 to 2005. She then became a carpenter, also hosted the 2019 revolve, revival of While You Were Out on TLC. And now it's time for the one or the two with J Skills. Live show or pre-recorded? Live. The 90s or the 2000s? 90s. Behind the music or ultrasound? Ooh, behind music. Ribs or making the video? Ribs. Daria or Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> I would say Daria for the girl power, but Beavis and Butthead are hilarious. I would say Beavis and Butthead. Dummies. <laughs> real world or road rules real world true life or team mom Ooh, true life the tom green show or remote control <laughs> tom green i saw the script from his show that's crazy you have a script from his show yeah i don't know even how it came to be in my possession i think yeah i was i don't even remember how i don't know but i have it <laughs> That was my favorite show for a while. I'd never seen nothing that ridiculous when I was a kid. So stupid. Yeah. And funny. Yes. Uh, diary or biorhythm? Huh. Uh, diary. Rock and Jock softball or Pimp My Ride? Pimp My Ride, even though I love doing the Rock and Jocks. They were fun. Pimp My Ride's a great show, though. Yeah, both shows were great. I, I definitely appreciate the Rock and Jock, though. Uh, my Block or Love Line? I don't know either one of those. Well, Love Line. Oh, Love Line was with Dr. Drew? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Love Line. Um, punked or making the band? <laughs> punked. Uh, Suchin Pop or Tech Money? Oh, I love Suchin, but Tech is my boy. What's up, Tech? I'm going to choose Tech. Uh, Kurt Loder or John Norris? Oh, they're both dope. Kurt Loder for the classic nature of Kurt Loder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carson Daly or Damien? <laughs> I gotta go with Carson. We kicked off that Times Square studio together. I gotta stay loyal. Matt Penfield or Chris Connolly? Oh, God, another hard choice. They're both dope. Matt Penfield's brain is the original computer. I'm convinced that they, they took the idea of the computer from him. So I'm gonna <laughs> pick Matt. Uh, Sway or Fab Five Freddy? Damn. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this way. Uh, Bill Bellamy or DJ Clue? Y'all are killing me, Bellamy. <laughs> Bellamy, we did my first actual shoot at MTV was with Bill Bellamy, um, um, Matt Penfield, I think Carson and um, Serena Alchol. We sat in the top of the little hot noodle cup on the top of the Times Square thing. It was like the first promo of me being there and it was with all of them, it was so much fun. I remember, I still have a picture, like a behind the scenes picture of that shoot. Where is it? I don't know. But yeah, I'm gonna pick Bill Bellamy. Dope. 
the cut or artist cut or say what karaoke? Ooh, wait, the cut with left eye? Yeah. Yes. Um, 12 Angry Viewers or MTV Live? Oh, I love doing both of those shows. Um, ah, ah. I would say live was more exciting because of the nature of being live. Um, I'll, I'll pick live. Although 12 Angry Viewers was fun. Yeah, I just want to like break into to this segment, which I don't normally do. But I want to say like 12 Angry Viewers was when I originally got hooked on MTV. So like I, I was like a Nickelodeon kid. And then like, you know, most kids made their transition from like watching Nickelodeon to watching MTV. And so you were doing one episode of 12 Angry Viewers and uh, you were showing the Daft Punk Around the World video. Yeah. And that video was so dope to me. I was like, what is this? Like, and the show format was cool. And I, you know, every viewer got like five grade on a scale of one to five, all of that. And I was like, this is tight. And then I just would not stop watching MTV after that. But I remember that being like the seminal moment, me seeing that video. Oh, that's so Uh, cool. um, Spring break or summer beach house? Oh, that's another hard one. We had, oh my gosh, we used to tear them places down. I would say, ooh, for, just for the Bahamas 99, because that was a magical summer. I'm going to say um, summer. So like whatever we called it, summer, summer house, whatever. What was, what was so magical about the Bahamas 99 summer? I'm really an island. I think I'm from the islands originally, but you know, my people shifted before I was born, but I, I have a connection to islands. Just I feel it in my whole being and being in the Bahamas for three months. I mean, just that environment and everybody who came through from Dave Chappelle to Britney Spears, we had that huge show with, um, of course I can't remember their names, um, the Nookie, um, oh, Limp Bizkit, oh, yeah. um, had that whole huge show where they blew the thing. I mean, it was like the craziest summer yeah. I'd ever had. And yeah. I think, I mean, SoCal summer was fun too. The next year, 2000 in San Diego, and since I was my hometown, I had a great time there, but. The Bahamas were wild and we stayed at the Atlantis Hotel. So just being in that whole environment for that long, three whole months was right. really, really cool. And my dad came and stayed with me um, for part of it. It was, it was great. I had a lot of family come down and it was the first time I was like, I could really live on the island. <laughs> I could just stay here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Run's house or the Osbournes? Run's house. Uh, undressed or jackass? I don't know what undressed is, so I'm gonna say jackass. Uh, undressed was like, it was like a late night show that they had on MTV, like late '90s, like early 2000s. It, it was like they were dealing with like gay and lesbian things, and it was like a scripted show. It was like really like definitely not for kids, but well, that's why it was late night. Yeah, it was like some 11.30, like, you know, on like halfway nudity, all that. After prime time. I never saw that. But I also, you know, it's funny. I spent so many years on MTV, but I didn't even have cable. Like I wasn't watching MTV while I was on it. I mean, I was working so much. There wouldn't have been any time for me to go home and then watch TV. But I also wasn't going home and watching TV. Like I just spent all day making TV. I want to go home and do something else. So that's so funny because there's so many things that happen I, I really didn't see. Um, if I wasn't there hosting it, mm-hmm. I didn't really know about it. Oh, wow. That's dope. Yeah, though. Nature of the Beast. Yeah. Uh, the Lyricist Lounge Show or Doggy Fizzle Televizzle? Doggy Fizzle Televizzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, Although the, the few times that I was aware of the Lyricist Lounge Show, that was pretty dope. 
Yeah, it was. Um, but I love Smith. But they, they canceled that show. I feel yeah. like it had more burn. Um, uh, the VMAs from the 90 to 95 or 95 to 2000? 95 to 2000, baby. Yeah. That was when uh, we got the little Kim. Did we get the little Kim uh, nipple in like 99 or something like that? We did. I think that was, yeah, 98, 99. Um, I think Aliyah and I presented an award in the 2001. Uh, that was like the year before she passed. Um, it was a lot. 95 to 2000 was, I mean, that window yeah crazy and it's so weird how like i literally just caught that window i literally got on team summit in 95 mm -hmm. and i went to mtv in 97 and then i left mtv in 2001 it was like that whole span was all me <laughs> amazing crazy. that was the best time <laughs> yeah i agree <laughs> uh too many emails or too many texts too many texts <laughs> uh fruits or veggies mm. <laughs> it's a hard one i like fruits better yeah but veggies are better for you so i'm a big fruits because i'm gonna go with what i like right uh trees or flowers trees they do more for us yeah uh shower or bath <sighs> i love a good bath but it has to be the right tub right like, if the tub is whack forget it i'm in the shower for sure but I want to, I, I would like bath, so bath. One in a million or four page letter? Ooh. Oh. Four page letter. Yeah. Classic Aliyah. Four page letter. Um, ready to die or life after death? Mm, ready to die. Inner visions or talking book? Inner visions. Hmm. Bad or thriller? <laughs> thriller. Uh, the college dropout or graduation? Oh, man. College dropout. Yeah. Pharrell or Timbaland? <sighs> That's too hard of a choice. <laughs> and they work so well together. I'm taking them both. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris Rock or Eddie Murphy? Oh, come on. What you trying to do, Jason? <laughs> oh, Eddie, for the class, I literally just watched Raw again like two weeks ago. That is so classic. And there would be no Chris Rock without Eddie, so I'm going to choose Eddie. Although yeah. Chris is amazing. He always trying to start problems, don't worry. <laughs> always. That's what, he, that's, that's what he do. Troublemaker, you a troublemaker. Sure. Um, how high or half-baked? Um, I actually didn't see either one. Oh, wow. Well, you should check them out when you get a chance. Cash money or bad boy? Bad boy. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Jay-Z or Tupac? Buster Rhymes. No, um, <laughs> Tupac. Yeah, that, actually, in that MTV era is when Buster Rhymes was killing it, when he came out with... Uh, that dangerous, that dangerous video. I mean, his videos yeah. were his videos were like unreal though. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. He changed the game. Yeah. And it's crazy like how we like look now, you know, obviously with like DMX passing away, we have a little moment to reflect on that era a little bit. And right. You know, remember who was really running things, but people will forget how big Buster Rhymes was at that time. I don't think they do. I think they're real clear. 
yeah. and and now I think his 30 years of doing music like maybe yeah. um um what's the first group he was with um um oh what's the name of the the, the three guys um the most no the the oh. original group. oh the original the new school yes okay. leaders of the new school yeah, their yeah. the anniversary of that first music they put out was 30 years ago this month yeah and he just put a new album out like i don't all the other people in that same era they're pretty much done putting music out he's still putting out fire it's like stupid i'm like what are you you're inhuman it's crazy yeah he now the fact that he went had a whole thing with dre and like yeah he's he's had an amazing career yeah, um, amazing. LA, New York. So LA. Um, a Peloton or a bike ride? I've never been on a Peloton. I hear great things about them, but I like being out in the air when I, it's, when it's I great. ride. So I'm going to say bike ride because we got, you know, the boardwalk here in the beach. I can go riding at the ocean. So I'd rather do that. I don't get no stock for Peloton, but it's great. I, Is it I'm great? A, I hear amazing things yeah. about it. Yeah, they gonna have to give me some stock to say any more about them though. No, <laughs> we need a Peloton sponsorship on the podcast. We need them to sponsor. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. Uh, elephants or giraffes? Oh, I love them both. I'm gonna say elephant. Uh, Soldier Boy or Bow Wow? <laughs> um, Bow Wow. Key Sweat or Bobby Brown? That was a hell of a show <laughs> yeah wow uh bobby got so many dang hits i'm gonna go with bobby yeah um Atlanta but key sweat is keeping himself together right no he is he is for sure uh alanis morissette or cheryl crow alanis i don't care who else he say <laughs> i don't i don't even know who the second person was it's always uh, gonna be alanis that's i'm like a one of the number one fans of hers yeah especially back then yeah oh yeah that that jagged little pill was was killing the Ooh, game. i still play it yeah. and it holds up the yeah. entire album all right nsync or backstreet boys mm. really love them both um i'm gonna go with ah backstreet boys are about to do another tour huh yeah i'm gonna go with nsync just because i had more relationships like people i knew in the group so yeah uh the wood or crooklyn didn't see either one how crazy is that hey you might ask, <laughs> listen I, under, I don't know how much time you got but you can watch them too and then it was something else that you ain't beat but yeah no yeah. It, was, it was how high and half baked oh yeah, oh, yeah. no nah, you got you gotta watch you gotta see how high though for sure half baked <laughs> is like you, i mean it's we're not movie. even gonna steer you wrong yeah. Sure. Wait, so how I'm writing it down. How high, half baked. And what are the two that just came up? The wood and Crooklyn. And Crooklyn. Yeah. I think okay. I'm really not a movie those. person. I don't watch a lot of movies, which is probably why I didn't never see those. I'm really picky when I watch movies. I really have to want to see it. And if it gets too silly, I'm done. So I'll watch them though. I'll watch them. We, 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 like. we might we might lose you on how high. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How high is a silly ass movie? So it's silly, but it's it's yeah. it would have had well. to been 97 for me to find it funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um crystals or candles? Crystals. Candles are horrible to burn in your house, no matter what kind they are, because of the butane, butane, Ooh. whatever it gives off. Yeah, not supposed to burn stuff. Uh heels or wedges? <laughs> 
heels are sexier, but wedges you can actually wear and not, <laughs> you know, be in pain and hunched over somewhere at the end of the night. I don't, I'll, I wear more heels. Cause I'll just take it. I'll just take it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what about this one? Heels or tennis shoes? Oh, always tennis shoes. I'm going for All right, comfort. Cool. That's not See? Even the same. There That's we go. That's incomparable. It's not even the same. Oh, I, like... I'm only hating because I don't like wedges. <laughs> yeah. I'll be hating on like wedges. wedges. No, really? they look crazy. I'm not even smoking. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't even speak on women's fashion. Like, shout out to that. But I when I see wedges, oh my. I, you're like, I yeah. it reminds me of like that teacher or like <laughs> the cafeteria lady that just like she's on her feet all day. Yeah, it's wedges. all bad. Yo. <laughs> can't do the wedges. Wait, you talking about the platforms? Like, like the little joints that be up and then it kind of go down. Yeah, like, yeah them, them, wow, they're, they're, those okay. are very ungood. <laughs> they're so comfortable. Very uh, ungood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scrambled eggs or fried eggs? Ooh, scrambled. Mexican food or Italian? Mexican. On Westside, California. That's all I love. Yeah, and San Diego. So y'all got the bomb carne asada fries out there. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The best California burritos. The best. We got the best Mexican food, period, of anywhere. I don't even, period. I don't even period. eat Fight me. Mexican food here in New York. I'm so Ever. sad. It's not Mexican food. It's like El Salvador. I'm, I'm from Compton, so like I know I'm listening. You know, I'm I'm only messing. First of all, I don't like cheese on my tacos. Like, give me the the. Oh, you what, like the street tacos? Street tacos, no, yeah. yes, yeah. with the onions yeah. and the cilantro. Yeah. Cilantro, yeah, yeah. Woo! Quit making me hungry. <laughs> all right. Um, oh. Three p.m. or three a.m. Three a.m. <laughs> Uh, cheeseburger or cheese pizza? Cheese pizza. And then the last one, BET or MTV? Oh, no. You're not going to make me. He's a sicko. I, I will not be fighting people in these streets. We just got out the house. I'm too, like, both. I love them both. I love them both. There you go. For well, different was, reasons. Right, right. Well, that was the one of the two. You did an amazing job. That was fun. See, James, <laughs> James show. You know what I hate? After a long day of work, dealing with people, being stressed, I gotta figure out what to eat that night. I don't feel like cooking, but I don't want to eat something that's bad for me, like junk food. I want something healthy. I want to eat something that tastes good and I don't want to work too hard or pay too much to do it. Well, guess what? What you really want, if you're like me, is Freshly. That's right. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. All you got to do is visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, 
and family size. Now our listeners can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. Do yourself a favor. Get Freshly. Jason hates when I say it, but he has the fun part of the pod. Like the whole it's, pod is it's, fun. Hey, it's like no, the whole pod is fun, but you're like, think about like when you're like warming up like the show. Mm-hmm. Like he can steal the show. He literally could turn that into one part of the show. And we can right. just say, all like right. Like the whole and you're like, okay. Good. Yeah, because sometimes the answers are long and people like the elaborate. Are, yeah, yeah. No, he gets it, he gets it going straight up. That's um, fun. Nice. So, so I really want to jump into young Ananda being an insect hunter. Tell us about that. <laughs> Man, I was a weird kid. Like I look back and go, if my son was doing stuff like this, actually I'd be teaching him how to do stuff like this. So I can't, I can't judge it. I used to, so my grandmother raised me predominantly. She had a really beautiful house. My grandfather built back in the forties and had this huge yard, four levels of a yard, like huge yard, big living room. And the entire living room was filled with plants. My grandma loved plants and she would smuggle plants from places. And I mean, there were plants everywhere. And in these plants were bugs. I mean, you know, there were a bunch of spiders and, and her spiders, she never vacuumed up the spiders. She just let them live. And so there'd be these huge, really thick spider webs, both inside and outside. And of course the ones outside were bigger, but we had them inside too. And so in the summertime, when all these flies would start coming up, you know, I would, <laughs> I would take a fly swatter and I don't even know how this happened for the first time in me discovering it, but I would hit a fly like light, like a, a light hit, not try to smash him. I would hit him till he was like stunned and he was still able to move his wings. I'd pick him up by the wings with my hands. Cause I was never scared of like bugs and I just, I was fine with all that stuff. I would catch lizards and stuff and drop him in a spider web and sit there and watch the spider come stalk him and eat him. And I would, I did it all. It was like my summer hobby. <laughs> so were you not, were you not scared of spiders at all? I mean, I didn't want them on me, but I wasn't scared of them just looking at them or having them be right there. I'm still not afraid of spiders. I don't, I don't want them in my house, but I, have a tendency and maybe it's because of being raised with all these you know different animals and bugs around and plants around I I communicate and talk to all those things like out loud and so if a spider comes in my house I go listen I'm gonna give you a chance to get out of here <laughs> I will t- I will reason with him like I don't you this is not where you belong I had to kill some of your cousins it's not safe for you in here if you stay you're gonna have a problem I'm gonna give you a chance to go I'm also one of those people who will get a cup and a piece of paper and get them under the cup and let them outside but after a few times of trying with them if they're not listening then I vacuum them up so you know and I had a scorpion come into the house I was staying at in Arizona a while back and I didn't give him a chance we don't give if you could kill me you don't get a chance 
you don't. I'm just, you I, li- go. I like those rules. I was a school teacher in Arizona for six years. And Ooh, so you um, know about the brown bark scorpions. I know about all them insects, but also taught, you know, about insects and plants. So most of the time I taught the life cycle and I would tell them like, you know, consider these bugs like with life. You know what I mean? We wanted them to appreciate life. And I taught first through third grade. So um, I would, I would have them, we had a bug keeper and what the bug keeper would do, if it was a bug, it would sweep them into a little dustpan and they would free them and let them out. So we didn't take no lives at all. And I just kind of like, made sure we doubled down on that so it was like that thing because it was so easy to step on them or just yeah that thing but like when you said that it it resonated of you know how I how I taught the children to how to handle bugs it's so important to teach them at that age to do no harm we have this really messed up idea some human beings do that we are supposed to dominate and be superior and everything's under our domain and and you know, to me, that's a very European way of looking at the world. Like I'm dominant over everything and everything has to conform to me. That's how we were stolen from our homeland. That's how the other part of my family was, had their land taken, the, the Native Americans. That's how, like, there's too much evidence that that is the worst way to be a human being, right? That's the worst way to think as a human being. It's the, the worst way for you and for everything around you and for the planet that we live on. Like that is the wrong way to think. And so if we can acknowledge that that's the wrong way to think, we have to start undoing that thinking, creating new thinking and setting a new standard of how we're gonna exist on this planet. Cause the planet is not going to tolerate our existence on her for much longer if we keep messing everything up the way we are. And we don't have to, it's, everything is a choice it will be inconvenient for us to start to shift into other, you know, fuel sources and, and all of that. But we created the problem. So we have to be inconvenienced for the solution. And we got to get real clear and comfortable with that. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I always, you know, it's always been a thing for me, but it's definitely not how most people think. And um, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Listen, I was in Portland last weekend and talk about the planet, not, uh, wanting us to to be on her anymore it was 115 degrees in portland in which, portland yes which was the hottest it had ever been there on record like in history yeah in history of the world <laughs> like could not believe it so yeah so if we don't start you know and like everybody's seen that gulf of mexico video with oh. the ocean on fire like if three. we don't start three getting, yeah three are on fire Three are on fire? Three. Three rigs? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's all bad. It's all bad out here. It ain't, you know what I mean? We ain't ain't living right out here. (laughs) And see, the the problem is it's all based on our desire to make things convenient and comfortable for us without any consideration of how that diminishes the comfort and the, the ability to live of everything around us and eventually us because we don't see our, I won't say we, because some of us do see it because the people in charge of those kind of things don't see us as connected to this greater process. They are not able to acknowledge the detriment that we are creating to the greater process. It's so isolated and like, oh, well, this is fake science or this is gonna be, no, it, everything is connected. You and the spider. You and and so I wasn't just killing flies like for the sake of ah I'm a squash fly. I was actually feeding the life cycle. 
is how I justified it in my mind. I was like, listen, I'm just helping the spider catch the fly. I didn't like kill him. The spider killed him. But there is a natural order to things that is bigger than us that will always win. Like you're not going to win this battle. Exactly. You're not going to win the battle against the planet. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. get it together. We got to get it together all the way together. And I don't know if we will. Yeah, so, we all we all come from God and we will all return there one that's day. Right. That's right. And we'll have to we'll have to uh face what we have done. Yeah, right. You're gonna have to reconcile whatever you did. Right. That's right. In between time. So right. Yeah. So what's your connection with carpentry? <laughs> My yeah. grandma, I was an obnoxious, I'm telling you, it was a very odd child. I, I would jump on things like there was this concrete bench in my grandma's backyard that had you know those old concrete benches you like build at home depot and you get the two little legs and then the little top that would go on it she had one of those and i moved the legs as far to the edges as i could and she told me this because i don't even remember i remember breaking it but i remember like having a plan to break it she said that every day i would get up and spend at least 20 minutes jumping on that bench trying to break it and eventually i broke it <laughs> and she said she realized in that moment that I was destructive <laughs> as hell and that she was going to have to, you know, put something in place to help me kind of deal with lessening my destructive nature. And so she said, everything you break in this house, you're going to have to fix it because I'm not replacing it. And if you broke it, it's your responsibility. And I was like, how am I going to fix concrete? She said, concrete doesn't count because I can't fix concrete. But when I broke the wooden table, she took out her power drill, because my grandma was very much hands-on, do it herself, didn't, she would ask for help. She didn't, you know, she wasn't opposed to asking for help, but she just could do a lot. So she did. And she took out her power drill. She gave me a screw. She showed me how it needed to connect to hold and go back in. And, and she made me fix it. And every single time I broke something, that was the case. When I ripped things, she taught me how to sew them on a sewing machine. Like she made me learn how to fix everything I broke, which gave me skills um, that I, you know, you don't understand that as a kid, there's skills now, like literally I can hem my own pants and make bags from scratch and do whatever I want on a sewing machine. Pretty much. I can't make like full outfits yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and it gave me a love of fixing things. So I didn't even know carpentry was a, a career or a category of anything at that age. But as I grew older, tools were always kind of like my my comfort blanket <laughs> and so I loved my career loved being at BT had a great time at MTV when I got to the talk show it was really overwhelming and not at all what I expected it to be and I was really kind of depressed during that time and, and pissed off a lot like things were going on that were not in my control but I thought they should be and things were going on on a show with my name on it that I didn't condone it was like just a whole lot of so there was a 24 hour Home Depot in Jersey where I lived. And when I would be really stressed out coming home from work, I would go to that Home Depot and just walk around the tool section because tools have always calmed me down and given me like peace and, and comfort and, and excitement too, like imagining what I could do with these tools. So I don't know my whole life from that time with my grandmother, I just really have always been able to be free with what I liked. So I never I never had the idea like, oh, I'm a girl, so I shouldn't be using the tools or like, this isn't my lane because I'm a woman. I never bought into that. I didn't have a family that taught me that, so I didn't learn it. I always knew, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And carpentry was one of those things that I was just always like, I want to know it better. I want to, I can build things, but not 
as well as I want to be able to build things. I was always just longing to increase my knowledge in that area. So when I got really like the third time I got really sick of TV <laughs> after I had gone home to take care of my grandma and then she passed away and I moved back to LA and um, was kind of in between. I was doing radio in LA, which was fun. And I was working for the insider, which was great, but I didn't like love it. I'm not a gossiper and I don't really, I don't know, talking about people, it wasn't really what I do. So I, I was doing it, but when I realized really what I had to do, I was like, yeah, this probably isn't for me. And uh, what else do I want to do? And I had this longing for carpentry. Well, there was this kind of window of time where I stopped doing the insider and I'd stopped doing radio and I was about to start another job. And I was like, this is a moment where I can do whatever I want. Like I'm not on contract with anybody. Nobody can tell me I can't go do what I want to do right now. And there had been about 10 years of me being on contracts with various people where, you know, if you're on contract, you can't do anything. <laughs> you are theirs until the contract ends or they can sue you. Um, and, and, you know, me giving my word is an important thing to me. So I wouldn't just bail on a contract, even if I really felt like it. Um, so I had this window and I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> I was doing shelves in my house that I lived in at the time, trying to make a shoe rack and I couldn't make the edges fit. I wanted to make it real tight. And I got so frustrated. I was like, somebody has to be able to teach me how to do this. I had chop saws. I had, I had all these tools and I was like barely proficient with using them. So I got online and um, I found trade tech, like did a bunch of searches and I ended up finding LA trade tech and they had classes where they would show you how to do, you know, certain things. So I was like, I'm signing up for that. And the more classes I signed up for, I was like, dang, I want to take this one too. I want to learn that. I got to see, we could have been classmates. What year did you go to, what year did you go to classmate? I mean, uh, trade tech. 08, 08 to 2010. I got my degree in 2010. So probably would have missed that window, but. Were you a trade tech? So I let this thing, I was playing basketball. I ended up going to Texas Southern to play ball, but I came home. And I was like, oh, I'm cool on basketball. So I was at home just hanging out in the hood. <laughs> and I was like, somebody stopped me and was like, yo, you out here, you gonna waste your life. Like not doing nothing. You need to go get you a trade. So I started looking up at trade tech because I knew like, I could learn anything over there. And I almost signed up, but I got recruited by wow. the school. And ended wow, up we would have been game. on campus like, so you've been in what? What would you have done? Plumbing, electrical? What were you going to do? Mm, at the time, I think it was plumbing because at first, you know, obviously as kids, you always joke around, but plumbers always are employed. And always. Lot, they like, maybe make so much money. They and do. I just think that, you know, it just needs to be more representation of that job on a positive yeah. side. Um, but yeah, like I definitely You're was in that. So yeah, I was looking into plumbing for sure. I like all of that. I wanted to go back and take plumbing because we were right catacorned to the plumbing school. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be over there too. I wanted to learn. Only thing I didn't want to learn is electrical. I wanted to go back for a welding class. But I wanted I mean, to actually be a black Mario brother though. I was gonna wear, <laughs> but I was going to wear some like some sick ass overalls. Like they would have been <laughs> some fire. Crisscross overalls. Yeah, no, they would have been like zebra print or something like that. I would have been looking like a big snack. You feel me? <laughs> it's crazy because uh, today is my grandfather's birthday. And you were telling the story about your um, your grandmother and like how you learned a lot of like your carpentry stuff from her. My grandfather actually went to L.A. Trade Tech and became a carpenter. He had like what? Yeah, he he worked at the bank at like Bank of America for like 30, 40 years and then like decided he was going to like go into carpentry because he had owned like 
his house and some other properties so he wanted to like fix them up and do all this yeah stuff. not waste money on those renovations getting yeah. getting gypped yeah and working at the bank he was just very like sound with his financial decisions always so he's like yeah why would i oh. pay somebody else to do it i could learn how to do that so he went to trade tech and learned how to become a, a carpenter and actually when we get off of this uh podcast i'm gonna go take him out to dinner for his birthday oh tell him happy birthday that's so sweet Shout i love that grandpa. you're taking him out to dinner i wish my grandma man i miss her so bad you just take take full advantage of the time with them sure. i'm so glad i did like that's the one thing i know i'll never regret i gave up a career i left i know i did and i i burned bridges that i i burned because i wasn't aware of how to leave without just being like y'all I'm out you know I know I could have handled that differently but the part I will never regret is leaving it all for her I would do that every single time it came up as an option I would take it it was the best thing I ever did 100% yeah so I'll go ahead Jason no I was just saying yeah sometimes you got to make the right decision even if it's not in the right way like that's right I think about that all the time right ain't always popular (laughs) I, I I think about that all the time I'm not gonna lie um because I was raised by my great grandma as well. And in the time I was going playing ball and she ended up passing, like I didn't even mm. want to finish college. Mm. I, it just was like, oh, you hurt. know, like, oh, it was, I felt so much guilt. And it's always weird because like the timing, especially when somebody passes and you see them, you feel like that last time you seen them was like coincidental. Like it was lined up that way. Yeah, like dang, like I wish I would have had more time, you know, specifically. And I, I, I actually just recently lost my uncle, um, mm. a couple of days ago, and I Facetimed him on su- on Sunday. So for me to like have that conversation, and then he's gone like two days later, it just was like, what? Like nah, like nah, y'all quit playing with me. And it was, you know, and you never know. So um, you never know. I try to be more mindful. Obviously, I'm working like a madman, but like. I've also told myself like, hello, listener. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that we at Cinephobe love our pets. Zach and Boogie are inseparable. I've got two cats and a dog and Amin is giving his best ass on performance to convince dog owners that he loves their pet. Hey, Noodle. Hey, boy. How you doing? And Noodle's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Which is why today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. For many pet parents, summer is all about making travel plans like adventuring through the national parks, visiting pet-friendly beaches, or road tripping across the country. Wherever your journeys take you and your furry friend, you can help protect them along the way with the plan from ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash dings. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash dings. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? 
It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Be with family, too. Like, yeah. Don't get so locked into your career, you know? So um, this is an important conversation. We, yeah. we, we went into the deep side through carpentry. <laughs> Right. Look where it leads. Look where it <laughs> Look leads. Look how it connects everybody. Carpentry connects everybody. See? Carpentry, carpentry is life. It is. It, I mean, listen, the building block, literally the fundamental things about carpentry, the things that I learned translate so perfectly to life lessons. They just, it just does. It, it, you know, maybe that's why Jesus was a carpenter, at least how it, you know, wrote it in the Bible. Maybe that's why, because it, there are so many things that just line up perfectly that you can learn from that. I sat in the class even listening to, you know, my various teachers and stuff. I'm like, wow, that's like a life lesson you just said, <laughs> you know, it's talking yeah. something about how to get the screw in right, not break. It's like, wow, that's a life lesson. But there's so many things. I'm, but I'm I will keep, say, let me oh, say this about taking care of older people that, you know, in, in all of our cases, it sounds like we had really um, beautiful relationships with our grandparents and those grandparents I know for my, for me, my grandmother is the reason that I'm still here. She took over for, you know, my mom at a time where she couldn't handle being a parent and, and needed a break and rightfully so with everything that was going on in her life. And, you know, when, when someone is there for you like that, even as a grandparent, they don't have to do that. There are plenty of grandparents who don't and who didn't, you know, and who say, no, it's not my kid. I already raised my kids. You better figure it out. And if my grandmother had said that, my my sister and I would probably have ended up in foster care or something like the village of the family is a real necessity, <laughs> right? The village period is a real necessity. Ideally, it's your family, but it isn't always your family. But when someone steps up like that for you, you have to give it back. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give it back. And, and it, it, there's no one way to give it back but you have to give it back. So keeping in touch with them, checking on them, making sure they have what they need. That's one way to give it back. You know, depending on their level of care that they require, there's ways to give it back. Even if you can't house them yourself and you end up helping to pay for care for them, that's a way to give it back. But we cannot leave our elders hanging. As much as we talk about pride and our people and all this stuff, like I see a lot of our elders getting left hanging. 
And we have to put our money where our mouth is literally and make sure that they're okay. My dad lives with me right now. He's 80. And I don't know how loud I'm being, but I don't want him living with me. (laughs) Like I'm sick of my dad living with me. And my dad did not raise me. He was not here for me. The reason I, my grandmother was there for us is because my dad and my mom were like Splitsville and he was like deuces. Like I saw my dad once a year. So I don't even feel like I owe him anything. And he's living with me because I'm not just going to leave him hanging. That's not who I am. He's not going to be 80 and get put out in the street as long as I'm on the planet. And there are a lot of issues that have come up that we have to deal with as you know, a result of living together. But we just got to deal with those because I'm not going to put him out. And it's like, we gotta, we gotta step up for our elders, period. Yeah, if, if COVID didn't teach the world anything else, it should have taught everybody that to appreciate you. It should have, but now we wide back open and they out here on their <laughs> And they're like, whatever. Hey, hey, you went from humble to I'm outside. You feel me? Squeaky doors, clogged sinks, finicky engines. When things break down around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you uh, uh, just try not to think about it. Uh, I, nothing. I was just tired. I, I'm, I just stressed a little bit. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? Take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. And if you do, you'll get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. And remember, if you get started today, you'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. Before yeah. I even jump into the next transition of, of uh, your relationship with thrift stores, I got to highlight the thrift store and my Beavis and Butthead shirt that our listeners can't see. But I didn't even realize you had a Beavis and Butthead shirt on when I asked that question. I had, you know what I mean? So it, it, it worked out. They got the holes and stuff. It looked like a moth done got to I me. I love but, it. But this is, this is very OG and very mocha. <laughs> but we still, go, we still go hold it down. Yeah. Um, but it's a great transition to what's your connection with thrift shopping? I think my connection to everything is through my grandma, like literally all three things that you've said, but she was my childhood. So it makes sense. Um, My grandma was a very thrifty person. She did not spend money on new clothes. She was a great seamstress and she could make things from scratch, which she did for my mom and my aunt when they were little. But by the time my sister and I came to live with her, she was, you know, older and she would still sew, but she wasn't making stuff from like, she was making stuff from scratch for my aunt a little bit still, but she wasn't gonna make our clothes. So what we would do is go to the thrift store and we would get to look and get anything we wanted and she would make it fit, you know, and and make it cute and turn it into something 
a little different than than it was when we bought it. And I was in the Luminous Black San Diego pageant. My grandma said I begged her to let me do that pageant. I've never done another pageant. Like I'm not into pageants, but for some reason I wanted to do that pageant really badly, probably because there was a a cash prize involved. I was always about my money, even as a little kid. <laughs> and um, so she made my dress from scratch for the Luminous Black San Diego pageant both years. I had I won the first year and then I had to get my crown away the second year in both years I need gowns. and. You know, she was just always making stuff with her hands. She was always turning something or nothing into something. She was always transforming things, you know? Um, and it reminds me of the alchemist uh, and maybe not turning things into gold necessarily, but transforming things is what we have the power to do. And you see people doing it all the time, but we don't call it what it is, right? My grandma was an alchemist <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing to witness and it really set the tone for me in terms of what I knew was possible for me to do and, and not putting a limit on myself. Now, there were other ways where, you know, she wasn't as proficient, right? But the ways that she was great were amazing. And I really, really drew from those. And she was human, so she wasn't perfect. But um, thrift stores were my favorite place. I remember we pull up to the thrift store and I'm so excited because you just, you never know what you're going to get. It wasn't like going to like, Mervyn's, which was a big department store when I was little. Yeah. It wasn't like going to Mervyn's where you see like racks of all the same things and different colors, like you knew what you're gonna get. You have no idea what's in the thrift store. I mean, a Beavis and Butthead shirt, right? So where are you ever gonna find that? You only found one. And if you didn't find it, you wouldn't have got it. I mean, it's like such a surprise every time you find something. I still have clothes that I got from the thrift store, not as a little kid, but as a, a, you know, an adult, I would do thrift stores every city I went to. Like one of my main goals was where are your thrift stores? I need to see the thrift stores because everybody has different stuff. And it's just so exciting for me. I still love thrift stores. Yeah, when I went to New and York- And now they're all, you know, popular, but I've been in them since I was little. Yeah. When I went to New York, I, I was thrift store hunting hard. It was like 2011, 2012. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it was kind of popular at that time, but- yeah obviously not to the level it is today but it was so many different little cut stores in new york because in la all of the thrift stores are kind of still on like the main thoroughfare you know it's all on yeah everywhere so but it's good stuff in la because we have so many different styles of like people people come from yeah. all yeah they overcharge though a lot of those places yeah, overcharge now LA thrift stores is that they're going to charge you 120 dollars for that beavis and butthead t-shirt so like the whole point is it's a thrift store i'm gonna sell it back <laughs> right <laughs> if need be but yes. like let me find out you're gonna flip thrift store clothes <laughs> hey it, it's a it's a market now i mean do i like you gotta honest, do my main thing now though i love finding old shirts that fit well like yeah. if it's a good collar or like the material is like, like very, dress shirts if it's very 90-ish and yeah. like, it gives me that nostalgia feel of when I like wore it back then. Like, cause you can't repeat that. Like the shirts nope. were a bit wider, they're longer. Yeah. You know what Cut I mean? was different. The blend of the fabrics e was different. Every, everything. <laughs> so when you, you, it's hard to replicate that in 2021. Yeah. So it is when I, when I just look at stuff, but I also don't have the patience for thrift shopping. <laughs> it does my friend, take patience. My friend Medea, she could do that all day. Like, I, I will go with you and I'll look through some shit and I'm like, ah. Oh, I have a friend named Mireya. You have a Mireya? Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a chiropractor. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That's dope. Out in Long Beach. So, listeners, y'all check that out. Long Beach chiropractor, Mireya. There you go. There you go. 
And shout um, out to the Alchemist real quick because that's, that's my a, favorite book of all that's time. A, that's a that's a good book. It's a fantastic. Book. So See, much. We over here talking about nostalgia. See, I got Pogs next to me. Oh, you got, got, oh my god! I got, I got Simpson figurines. It's just a lot going what on over you? here. It, it's very 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 fitting for that conversation um That's you mentioned dope. before we started recording about being a latchkey kid i don't think a lot of people know what that term is latchkey how was your latchkey experience um well one time i almost burnt down the apartment oh, and no. <laughs> yeah i was trying to make i was trying to make a candle holder by melting wax and forming it into a candle holder. But of course, at nine years old, or maybe I was eight, I had no idea what I was doing. And there was nobody home but me and my 10-year-old or 11-year-old at that time sister. And she, we didn't, she didn't mess with me. I was like the little irritating sister and we used to always fight. So I would just be out in the room. She'd be back in the room, you know, be in separate parts of the apartment. And I was in the kitchen in a little toaster oven. I put two of my mom's long candles in the toaster oven on that little tray and turned it up to 350. <laughs> and left it on for like 20 30 minutes oh, oh, and when wow. i came back it was just liquid it looked like water in the little pan and i'm this is dumb little kid right nobody taught me how to do stuff well, my grandma taught me how to cook a little but we were we had gotten kicked out of my grandma's house because my mother did and we were living on our own and so there was no supervision and i took my bare hand and grabbed the tray and to this day, it takes me a minute to register being burned or being hurt. Like, it's just a delayed reaction. My body has like a high tolerance for things. So it's like, it took about three seconds of me having in my hand. And I was like, oh! and then I dropped it and all the wax spilled on this hand and just, I had a third degree blister burn with a bubble that like separated my fingers like this. It was so wide. It was, my whole hand was just, it was crazy. And the, um, the, Oh, that's not when I almost burned the house down. That was when I burnt myself. I almost burned the house down trying to tow something in there. I left it in there for 45 minutes and it caught on fire. It was like a hot pocket or something. My mom didn't have, didn't do a microwave. So I think it was like a hot, but anyway, whatever it was, it, it got, you know, too hot and literally burst into flames. And so the thing was on fire when I went in there and then it started smoking up to the top of the, cause you know, the toaster was right under the cabinets, genius. And the, it caught on fire in the top of the toaster with the heat element caught on fire. And then that started going up the things and I was just hitting it, throwing water on it. Uh, and it finally went down, but the whole cabinet was black. When my mom got home was like, I could hide what happened, but I had a lot of mishaps because, and I'll go back to answer your question. Technically Trey, a latchkey kid is a child who comes home and is alone, basically latchkey. And I don't know where the latch part comes from, but basically you have a key to wherever you live with whatever parent or guardian you live with and you let yourself in and then you're home alone until your parent or guardian comes back. So for me and my sister, that was like, we take the bus home from school. So about three o'clock, 3.15, 3.30, we get home. Um, Gilligan's Island would be on. <laughs> I was like, that's how I knew what time it was. I used to tell time by shows. <laughs> and um, and when, when good times would come on, I knew it was seven o'clock. <laughs> but Gilligan's Island would be on. We would come in the house, unlock the door. You'd have the rules. You got to lock the door, put the thing on the door, like make sure you're safe. And then you're home. You're home for four or five hours by yourself. 
Um, and, and that's latchkey kids. Now I'm, I'm really lucky and fortunate that I had my sister, even though we were, we fought a lot. I'm glad I wasn't by myself being a latchkey kid, but a lot of my friends were solo latchkey kids and that's a whole nother experience. So that's me. <laughs> that's me. You were the solo latchkey kid. Yeah. So at seven, I walked home, obviously different time. I walked home. My grandma was actually, a, um, she cleaned houses and she cleaned house for Aaron Spelling back in the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she would get home at 5 p.m. Think about that. I've been at school from 8 to 3 and I walk home. I lived around the corner from like the, the private school I went to. So I had this written note. They knew. And I, okay, is grandma allowing? I walk home from 3.30 to, to five five thirty five she get there i can hear a car whatever when it's pulling up and it was the same rules lock the door don't let nobody in don't let nobody kid, in i had kid cuisine um tv dinners i had wow. gordon, gordon fisherman fish sticks i had mm -hmm. you know all the microwavable stuff and the rule was you can't have company but i would sneak people in all the time um, all the time um yeah I wasn't I wasn't, I wasn't I wasn't that bold till I got older I mean no I just was doing it because I would by myself you know what I'm saying and I, I, I and I'm like I and I would look at it like this the kid's not gonna do nothing like how it is now it's a little different because oh they're gonna you know, do it's something. just it's just creepy people it's just like yeah. the, the kids are way more experienced in a lot of stuff but at that yeah. time I had like I lost my dad when I was nine my mom mm. was in and out of jail so like at the particular time, I was spoiled. That was the that was the way to like, hey, everything will be all, all right. those traumas. Yeah, so I had all the video games, everything, but I'm not gonna play it by myself. Right. So it's all these kids in the neighborhood. They know I got it when my grandma there, like on the weekend, she was like, "You can have company." So they knew what was inside the crib. Oh. So they like, "Yo, Trey, you trying to play come over Sega Super?" And I would play the game and slide the door. I we had, I used to have my um the room I had was a den. And I was sliding. Oh, it had door. a pocket door. So they can come and watch me play the new games that I got. What? Wow. So and I was I would I would move the TV closer and put the controller through the thing. That's how we would play. And so they weren't technically in the house. So they were in the crib, but I would hate it like on some like rainy days. Like, you know, yeah. in certain days, like it's just be like, why is this going on? Yeah. But to, 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 to piggyback off what you're saying is like that. I can't even imagine a kid now. And then also me learning, like, like you said, you were almost burning the crib down. I wasn't doing nothing like that, but it got to a point where I was like 10, 11, I'm playing house with girls. And it just got a little bit too extreme from what I was consuming, you know? So yeah. from there, like I used to, I think the last time I got whooping, I was like 12. Cause I just got too tall for my grandma. My grandma was like, she's like, can't hit you no more. Yeah, she was at <laughs> the like point of like, she's at the point of like, look, I'm gonna just, you know, I can't do this no more. I can't watch you. So at that last time, I think that was probably the last time I really cried too. Like, yo, you about to like, yeah. you don't want to take care of me no more. Like, all right, I'm gonna cut my shit out. Cause I was probably, and I wasn't even big yet, Jason. I'm yeah. six one now, but at the time mm -hmm. I probably was like five, seven. My grandma was like five, two. She a little woman, you know, so she like, nah, we ain't going. <laughs> and yeah. also the the switch, she used to make me pick up a switch, pick out a switch. Oh, she had a yes. switch. So oh. when she would, hit, she would only hit my legs. <laughs> she would only hit my legs. Might have been sisters. See, right. they All was right. from they was from Oklahoma, but wait, yours was from Oklahoma too, for real? 
Yeah, Muskogee. my grandma was from Tulsa. Okay, so yeah, he survived yeah. the 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 um the massacre. See, Where? Yeah. What part of Oklahoma? That's crazy. What Muskogee. part of Oklahoma? Muskogee. Muskogee. Yeah. So. I'm registered with the Creek Tribe in Muskogee, Oklahoma, yeah. through my grandfather's people. My I mean, grandfather is from Muskogee. The man we are tapping we are tapping on later on and we'll that see is if we, crazy. we actually found Hold up. That's right, crazy. Right. I literally have never met anybody else who knows anybody else from Muskogee or even yeah, knows Muskogee. So is. so here's here's another thing. In LA, they did a Muskogee LA picnic at some park. And all of them would meet. My grandma was born in 1929. She moved to California with Watts in 1949. You know? And then they bought a house in 1955, the house in Compton. And that was our house since 2010. She passed in 2010, but. Yeah, my, yeah. And my, my grandfather is from Oklahoma too. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh he's part Choctaw. His mom was was Choctaw. What uh, city? Uh, I, It's somewhere around Tulsa. I have to ask him when I see him today. A lot uh, of those tribes are right around Tulsa because it's where the Trail of Tears ended, like right around that area in Oklahoma. Um, yeah. And so there are a lot, all the like five great tribes are, are, have some, you know, representation there. That is crazy, y'all. We do need to have a whole separate conversation. We might need to do a, a little family tree look at y'all might be my cousin. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> sick. That'd be, that'd be pretty that'd be dope. Crazy. I'm not going to lie. I ain't going to lie to you. But yeah, that's crazy possible. from there. Um, so Ananda, I wanted to ask you about uh, Teen Summit. You know, that was big back in the day. Yeah. Uh, like black kids and like, you know, it was pretty groundbreaking at the time, honestly. Like, I had never seen nothing like that. Like, how how did it feel for you, like, doing it and, like, you know, the impact it had on all the Black kids? You know, it's funny, Jason, and I, this is, might be true with a lot of things, but you don't know what you're in while you're in it, typically. You don't know what it's doing. You're in there doing it. So with Teen Summit, I, again, was a college student, um, had graduated in like what, June and auditioned in like July. So I just gotten out of college. No, I auditioned in like August, but I just got out of college. I was doing youth work that I had been doing for years anyhow, because I was, wanted to be a teacher. I was working with kids a lot. Um, and the kids in my program were the ones that told me what Teen Summit was, because I didn't have cable. I was a broke college, worked three jobs in college. Like I did not have money I was giving to a cable company, right? So I didn't know what it was. I knew what BT was, being other people's houses. And you knew what BT was as part of the, the culture. So I was familiar with it, but I didn't watch a lot of BT. So I really didn't know what I was walking into. I knew that it was a show that worked with kids. I knew that I'd been working with kids and I knew I needed a job. Those were like the facts of the time. So, um, and I had a speech impediment until I was eight. Once I got over that speech impediment, because my mother was smart enough to get me help. I did three years of speech therapy, like every day after school. And finally I was able to say S's right and R's and T's and not, you know, stumble over my words. And so once I could really speak, um, I was always a good reader, but I didn't want to ever read out loud because of how my, you know, language, my, my speech sounded. Um, when I got over that, I literally would like not shut up. And I'm sure you can tell still to this day, I talk a lot, but that's because I spent so many years feeling ashamed about how I sounded talking. And I kind of felt like I was making it for a lot of time. Like I haven't been talking for eight years. I'm about to talk. And so it, it made it really easy for me um, with a show like Teen Summit, because one, I had never read a prompter, but I was a good reader. My mom also put me in speed reading class along with the um, speech uh, impediment class, the speech therapy. So when I went to the audition, they were rolling this prompter and 
you know, it throws a lot of people off teleprompters. I had no idea. It was super second nature for me. I was like, it's just words. Like it's like reading and I'm a speed reader. So I was like, Ooh. um, and working with the kids I've been doing all summer. I've been doing that since I was 13. So I felt like Teen Summit was this perfect job that was waiting just for me, right? Because everything about it made sense in my life. And when um, when I went to the first audition, they were like, cool, fine. They didn't really say anything. They just let me audition and go. And then apparently behind the scenes, my friend Keith Lawson, who had got me the audition, he told me six months ago that they didn't want to hire me. BT did not want to hire me. They were like, nobody knows her. They were coming from Lisa Johnson and then Belma Johnson. And they were coming into this kind of new era of, of hosts that they wanted to find somebody who was known, who had a face and a name recognition. And, you know, the people knew to make the show popular. And I was not that. I was just out of college and nobody knew me. And they were like, no, she's good. But no, we need somebody with a name and a face. And there are all these people with names and faces. But those people couldn't do the job like I did. And right. apparently my audition was so like powerful. It was undeniable. They were like, oh, God, we don't want to hire her. But all right. And then yeah. they decided, OK, let's bring in. Let's do a double host thing. And that's when the second time they called me and they had me audition with different people. And Dejura was there and we auditioned together. And then, you know, I guess maybe a couple of weeks later, they were like, all right, y'all got it. But it was a fight, apparently, behind the scenes. Like they did not want me. I was like, for real. Right. And that's they, always the tough part is that, like, wherever you go, it's hard to break in because they're like whenever somebody's producing something, they always want a name and somebody who's known and it's hard right. for somebody to ever break out and become something new because they don't ever want to give the new person a chance. Right. And how do you get to be from a new person to the known person if you never have a chance? It's crazy. Exactly. It's like a double-edged sword. But I, you know, I guess it, I think it was just a matter of that's what creation had for me. Like that was supposed to be on my path and there was nothing that they could do to stop it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I uh, stepped into this amazing show that had been worked really hard for by the people that came before me. I know Lisa Johnson worked really hard. She was a producer. She was the original host. She worked hard to bring that show to the level it was at by the time I got there. And Belma and all the people that came before me did too. And, you know, for me, it was brand new. I wasn't aware of all that history and all that hard work they'd done until much later, you know. But while I was there, it was just a fun show. It was like, I'm doing what I've been doing for years, but just on TV. But the TV part kind of messed me up. I got really popular really fast and I, I wasn't I wasn't really ready for that I, and I wasn't aware that that would happen I mean I guess you, you never know what's going to happen either it happens or it doesn't but I that part freaked me out that was literally one of the things I disliked the most like not being able to go places I remember the first time I was in a store and my sister um, lives in Chicago and I would go visit her a lot and you know I've been visiting her all through college all through whatever I could go wherever I want to do whatever I wanted I mean I was attractive so that problem with you know women know you always got a problem but other than that kind of problem I was good and the first time I visited her after I'd gotten on Teen Summit it was maybe three months I had been on I walked into Target I'm sure we were at Target or one of them stores and or CVS or something and I started talking to her and this these two girls came around the corner real quick and they were like Ananda and I, I was shocked because I didn't yeah. know nobody but my sister in Chicago I was like hey no, I got any questions. I was like, oh, this uh -oh. is actually happening now. Yeah. That freaked me out. And it yeah. was it was positive in that 
you know, they got, they loved the show. They got something out of the show. That show was helping their lives. And so that's why they were excited to see me. But I wasn't prepared for like complete strangers to run up and hug me for complete strangers to be. And then the element of like male stalkers started. And that was terrifying. That, that is still terrifying to me, but it was really scary back then because um, I walk around with security and all this stuff people have to buffer. I don't have any of that. I was literally just me. I'm typically by myself. I'm a real solo person. I like going places by myself. I don't have a, a problem with it, um, but I, I wasn't able to really do that. And so it changed how I could live my life to a certain extent. And that started being problematic for me. I didn't see that as a good thing. I saw that as something I was giving up that I wasn't ready to give up. Right, right. Anonymity. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the that's the thing right now um, that I'm kind of like grateful for being in my space, right? Because again, most people say, "Well, don't you want to do sports on TV?" And I'm like, "No," because <laughs> at this point, I only get ran up on if it's very sports specific, and I'm on the voice side, so yeah. you have to actually hear me talk to be like, hey, aren't you? Which right. Perfect for me because it's kind of like, all right, I can move. I can I can go to the store. I can do all this other stuff. It's yeah, only happened. It's only happened one time in New York since I've been here. And I've been like grateful for that. Like only one person has run up on me. But in Vegas during summer league and um, LA it didn't happen to. So like the bigger, bigger cities, not so much, but if I'm covering that specific team in that area, oh yeah, you know, and it's just like I couldn't imagine like trying to date or try like oh, I couldn't imagine being on a date nap right now. Like somebody yeah. gonna screenshot me and pass me around a group chat or something. Like look at bro. <laughs> and, the, and the crazy part it is about, so different about where where you were, Ananda, and where the world is today. Like I look at it like there were so many barriers of entry into the level of like uh, popularity that somebody on TV would have before right. like, social media, I guess we should say yeah. uh, you know, all these different outlets where people can have different millions of followers on di different platforms. It was like, if you weren't on a major network or a cable network, like you were pretty much nobody. So, yeah, that was it. <laughs> so they were like, like eight networks yeah, <laughs> that you could exactly. be on. And, so and now it's like everybody has a network in their phone that is their own. <laughs> they yeah. can just, it's crazy. Yeah. Blow up like that. So for me, like, and just relating this back to my latchkey experience and then like, you know, me growing up watching you on TV, like my mom works for MTA. She would work a double shift pretty much every day. So she would be gone from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m., I think. Yeah, because 2 a.m name was like her eight hours off so she would work 16 hours a day pretty much every day so so I I saw so I hardly ever saw her when I when I did she was asleep so basically mm -hmm. I like raised myself you know and and through watching television you know so I was watching wow. and and watching whatever was on MTV pretty much 24 hours a day so you know for me it was dope to see you just to, as a black person you know and like me um, telling people I was going to interview, you know, like I had a, a couple homegirls who were like, yeah, like I looked up to her when I was, when I was younger and, you know, like I never seen anybody that looked like me on TV, you know, like, mm. like cause there was a big representation thing going on now, but that yeah. has been going on forever. And it was going on even to a lesser degree or to, a, I guess, a more, a, a higher degree 
then. Because we had less representation. Exactly. So, you know, to have you on MTV and for you to be, you know, so funny, smart, well-spoken, you know, and just like, you were just so good at your job. It was, it was natural. Like you said, it, it, it just came natural to you. It was so good to see that, you know. Um, Thank you. Oh. So, so I will ask you, like, what was your favorite aspect of, of, you know, broadcasting on TV? What was your favorite show? Like, what was your favorite spot to be in when you were doing that? I always enjoyed the specials. I, I think that the daily grind of like the same show over and over would, you know, kind of get like boring a little bit. I mean, it was always fun because there was always someone, someone different coming on or something new to talk about. It was never the same thing every day, but the live shows and the specials were really dope. Like getting to do Woodstock 99 and cover that. We are never going to see no that many people in one place again like that's that's just it's never gonna happen oh is that that is is that the clip with the dmx DMX, yeah oh shit i always interviewed him right before he went out uh, and did his performance at woodstock that was i I know i've seen the clip but i don't have the clip so somebody has it but that i mean i really got to be a part of a time that is now you know looking back 20 years um a golden era and a historical kind of moment in time for so many people. And there was no way I could have known that. I wasn't, you know, couldn't do that on purpose. I was grateful just to be able to be myself and have that be what people got, right? And I didn't even know that's what people were getting until now. Like I said before, when you're in it, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't know what you're creating. You're just in it doing your job. I was showing up every day on time, doing my best, being myself. Um, I wasn't going in going, I'm going to represent for my people and make sure I'm, you know, I was like, look, I'm going to be me, right. period. And if you don't like that, you should not hire me, which is what my mantra was at the talk show. I'm like, why did you hire me to do this? Right. You don't want me. You want some version of me that you felt like was controllable. And now you're learning that I am not that. And now you're mad, but I've always been myself. What are you doing? Right. You talked to me before we did this. What are you doing? So, but I'm so grateful that following kind of the path as it laid itself out before me um, instead of saying no because you can always say no it's still a choice right I, I showed up and and um and did my best and I'm super grateful looking back all these years later that that was impactful for people and that made a difference to especially my people and people who look like me and and being able to represent us like that was the joy of my life you know um and it's something that I still feel like I pull from which that's amazing like to be able to have people remember you when you spent, you know, what, what my window was maybe 10 years at the most on TV and to have it be 20 years later. And still people feel something when they see me, you know, people feel something. I bring back memories for people when I speak and that's special. I I don't think that'll ever be something people can do again for all the reasons that you've just stated. Like now it's saturated. Um, But I was, I caught a, I caught a moment and I maximized it and I'm super grateful for that. So I don't know that they're like favorite shows necessarily, but the overall time in my life was was great because of my jobs, but behind the scenes it was super stressful. I had a lot of just like personal traumas going on and and a lot of heavy stuff to deal with. And TV kind of provided an escape for me, honestly. And, and as much as it was good for other people to see me, it was good for me to be up there doing something productive and something, you know, good that was healthy. Cause I had a lot of things that were pulling me in other ways that were going on um, kind of in the background of all that. So TV was very pivotal, like, and helpful for, for me as well. It was, it was really mutual to help. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously, like, you know, everybody, a lot of people know about like your friendship with Aaliyah, you know, and how, you know, important and, you know, a person that she was to you and just to everybody yeah. in the world. Like, could you, you know, possibly speak to that a little bit? You know, I can say generally, um, Aaliyah and I were, were, were friends. We started out as, you know, work friends, like everybody else. I mean, I knew everybody literally, I got to meet everybody by nature of what I did. I interviewed most people. Um, but she and I really just kind of connected on like some girl power shit almost, you know, like what? Uh, we would talk our kind of stuff, like hair. We would be in the makeup room talking about stuff together. We would talk about the the kind of stuff that she wanted to do um and when we finally got like two-way pagers i think i had one of the first ones and i was like trying to give them out a, a friend of mine was the dude at motorola who was who was doing it so i was like oh give one to them and then give me four i more, had, I had one friend. at 16 so i was see? like yeah see you thought you was the hey, business that, that 99 <laughs> that 99 2000 the sky the sky was just a whole nother yes that's exactly what i had yeah. Motorola Skytail two way. So black or platinum we, before we move on. Platinum. Okay, all right. I just want to make I, sure. All I had was the platinum. I was so jealous that my brother had one. I did not. Have, I didn't get on until the chirps came out, and I See. had. A See, I just remember. I remember. Yeah, he yeah, was, I was younger. younger. I was too young to get the two way. Man, I had. A I remember genuine did the song yeah. two way, and then <laughs> I remember him saying black or platinum i got mine on vibe i'll get at you when i feel you like that was that was the killer line right there all right you can continue that was That's exactly to, how it was i just oh had to get that God. off jason you missed that moment i'm sorry yeah, i did i know i did I was moment, jason. oh my god <laughs> that was so hot. i you know i would um me and alia like we meet everybody everybody who had two ways was going back and forth on the two way so we would text on a two-way she'd be like hey i'm in town what you doing it was I, I don't know how people got it um i mean people make up stuff so i don't know we weren't like best friends i don't ever right. want to take a position that i didn't earn right so we were cool we weren't like inseparable but every time i saw her all it was was love and yeah. i spent a lot of time hanging out with her because we we liked each other like we had fun together and you know at that time that whole um, supportive sister and, and black women helping each other wasn't a thing, but it was a thing. If you were in this little kind of circle of women who were brown and doing their thing, like we all knew each other. And I remember one time me and her and Brandy hanging out and it was just, it was always just love. So when she pet, so what's crazy to me is that I always communicated her with her on a two way. The last time I talked to her was obviously on a two way. It was a text. And then when I heard about her accident and her dying it was on a two way. And so I have a love-hate relationship with the two-way because I had a lot of crazy stuff happen through that freaking two-way. And at the same time, when 9-11 happened, I was one of the only people my friends could get in touch with because all the phones were down, but the two-way was still working. So oh, wow. it was, um, that two-way was crazy. It, it spanned so many years of my life and had so many important and, and crazy things happen. That freaking two-way, man. I, I, I still have my two-way. I just wish really? I had the code to get into my two-way because I can look at all my old messages. Yeah, because if you, you have it. would be crazy to get to, to see what all the messages were? You, you know what, though? Yeah. I don't want to see it because mine consisted of uh, me cheating on tests. <laughs> um, I had... Most people's consisted so, of that. So twowaybeats.com. I spent most of the library time in the library um, downloading MIDI tones for my two-way. And then also I would be in class. I would be in class basically beaming girls my contact. 
Remember the beam? The oh, yeah, that was like, that yeah. was like the pre-DM. That was yeah. like the DM. So that's like the airdrop. That's basically like the an airdrop. airdrop. It's basically yeah, an airdrop. So like, you know, me being able to do that and like, it was so crazy because what <laughs> I learned was like, if somebody's, you still could beam somebody if your phone, if it was turned off, if you didn't have no service too. Like if you didn't have, like if, it, if you didn't pay your bill or whatever, right? Oh, I'm 16, so I, you know, 16, 17 years old, I'm not even supposed to have this joint anyway. It's huge. It's on my hip, on my belt clip. You and know, you I'm just trying to be like a rapper. It. I'm tucking my jersey just so it can be seen. <laughs> like, I'm just cutting up. And I had the StarTech. You remember the StarTech? Motorola StarTech? <laughs> so, Star so I'm really feeling like wow. a rapper at this particular time. <laughs> you know, but I had older homies, so, like, they put me on game. So just overall, Jason, if you beamed it too close the yeah. ringtone would go fast. You oh. wouldn't be able to, because you could send people ringtones. Right, right, right. And what? Yes. I didn't know about none of this. I, I was doing too much with that thing. Deep into the two-way. But I remember, and I don't want to get this person in trouble because he's married now, but <laughs> <laughs> but he took me to Jamaica Gold in LA, and I was 17. I wasn't even posted. No, I wasn't even 17. I was 16. I wasn't even supposed to be in there. I had a fake ID. I had my, oh, first, I had I had my first adios, but I had a two-way and I got at this older woman <laughs> with the two-way and I didn't know how to act. I was puberty, my voice cracking and all kind of shit. And I'm seeing everything in there. Like, you know, I went back to school the next day, like, yo, being an adult is lit. Like this is happening and this is happening. But I had the lady number. We hung out. I didn't even know how to like be on a date. It was crazy. Oh my god! Yeah. How old was she, Trey? Was she like? Bro, she was. She was twenty-eight, bro. She was twenty-eight. Wow! Listen, she was twenty-eight. She worked for the school district, LA school district. Robbing the cradle. She had no idea. She she had no idea. Listen, I'm out here super. You could have had that lady's job. You could have lost her job. Out here, killer. You know what I'm saying? With the Izzy Miyake on. Oh, wow. oh, I was, hey, I was out here killer. So that's you why was doing you know way too much. Hey, at 30, hey, I feel like a triple OG at 36 now, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I see Let me tell much. you who it backfires on that that this all this conversation and all the stuff. I know I was I was doing way too much back then too. My child is the one that that is losing because I'm such a helicopter mom. That boy can't do nothing. He's 10. I'll be in his text. He does. He has a little iPad now. He has a little email that he can get. He can FaceTime. Get to, he don't even know. I, I got a love-hate relationship with Helicopter Mom. Just because I was teaching. I got love-hate. Because I understand it. I understand it so much. But I just be like, oh, let him breathe a little. No. Because no. you, you know how nope. field trips and stuff. And like people getting in cars. And, all, and I get it. Because this world is obviously different than how we Crazy. grew up. But I'll be like, man, like I'm one of those mothers that doesn't let him ride in other people's cars. I, and and I and listen, fair enough. You the person who's like, can I drive him to the uh, field trip? Right, I man. will chaperone. I, listen, I ain't got no problem with it. But I've 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 dealt with helicopter parents, and sometimes it's cool, and then sometimes it's like, sometimes it backfires. Just chill, just chill. Yeah. I'm just saying from the teacher side of the of it. But I also understand because I'm not a parent. Um, but if I happen to ever become a parent, maybe I can relate to it a little bit. You could relate because this person, this little person who can't do anything for themselves, who's helpless and defenseless, is mm-hmm. your responsibility to, to keep alive, <laughs> right? Like yeah. 
If you keep him alive to 10, you've done a great job. So my son is 10. He is alive. And I feel like I've done a good job. But this is where it begins. Now he's a young black man. Yeah. Right. Now he needs to understand how things are and how he needs to interact with things. He needs to understand he's not he's not going to be perceived as a child anymore by other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's that era that I'm to me now is even more important of a time. So when you break that down, because now I got to protect him. I'm not mad at that. Now I'm yeah. not mad at that. When you when you break it down to that point, because yeah. again, I taught at a I taught at an all white school. So oh yeah, you so, ain't hey, them so kids. It's a, <laughs> so, so it's a little different. But when you <laughs> break is. it down, as far as a young black boy leaving his house, no yep. matter what and how he's perceived in this world, yep. that's a different that's a different layer to it. You know what I'm saying? It is. So. And a very real one. And it's hard to even say, all right, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be fine. You could do everything right. Yeah. And it's still still not work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. So I I totally get it. Do do your thing, mama, literally. Uh, I (laughs) I just, you know, he doesn't stay. He doesn't get to do anything unsupervised. That's it. And so if he, if he can't, if nobody can supervise him, he staying in the house. Cause guess what? I know you safe in here. Right. So I got one last question for you ananda um who was your favorite person or your favorite interview that you ever did (laughs) honestly i did tens of thousands of interviews over my time on air and i gotta say that my favorite person i mean i interviewed everybody hillary clinton snoop puffy chris rock uh all the you know cindy crawford all the i hung i got to hang with madonna i did whitney houston tv and Elmo is <laughs> my favorite interview. Because <laughs> wow. Elmo sent me right back to five years old. I was like, oh my God. I don't even fan out on people. Like, right. you know what I mean? I lived this kind of fairy tale existence that I wasn't even aware of. It was just reality and just my reality at the time. I would go hang out with Prince every time he was in New York, he would call, or me and Ali would have, like, I was hanging out with crazy you know, famous people, people would lose their minds. And it wasn't a big deal. We were all, we were, we were, you know, peers. And so that was normal. But when Elmo showed up at the studio. Oh, but hold now, on, what was, what was oh, Prince like? Out. What was Prince like? Oh, Prince was amazing. You know, it's interesting for me. Um, I have a lot of stories with him and, and, and a lot of stories with Aliyah, but both of them were really private people. And it's funny because someone just asked me to, interview for this documentary about Prince and I'm, I'm not going to do it because they were private people. I wouldn't have told stories about us when they were alive and right. I'm not going to tell stories about us now that they're gone because if they wouldn't have condoned it when they were here, there's nothing that makes me think it's okay just because they're not here. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just a private, you know, person. And also for other people's stuff, I'm a vault. When people trust me with something, that's till I die. Like, I'm not going, oh, well, we don't, we ain't cool no more. You ain't here no more. And so now it's going to change. No, if I said, I'm going to hold it, I'm going to hold it. Here's, here's it our, rela- here's our, there. here's our relatability. I'm a keeper of secrets. Yeah, I'm, I got, I got a phrase for that. It's called, like, I've seen it all, but I'll never tell. Like, I'm really Damn. the keeper of secrets. Like, out of being in basketball, <laughs> I just oh, see yeah, too I know, much. I know you have. I just see too much. And I got homies, they be like, hey, what, what? I can't even tell you this know. one, dog. I don't know what happened right there. You know what I mean? You just had to be right. there. 
and we got to keep it generic. Like I ain't gonna tell you specific stuff, yeah, but I can tell. Uh, so I can tell you about Prince. He was as amazing in real life as he seemed like he was from a distance. He was phenomenal, and one of the people who. I felt like was always my biggest like champion and biggest fan. When we first met, he made a beeline to me. I don't remember what, what party I was at, but he, he, um, he, apparently I found out later, he came there because he heard I was there and he walked straight up to me. He had all red on this amazing outfit. And he put out his hand and he said, hi, I'm Prince. And you're the only reason I watch TV. <laughs> wow. That, he was a huge a fan of Team that's a, Summit. That's a, that's a bar. And yeah, yeah, it was, and my stomach went, you know, it's like, what? Yeah. He, the only, he really loved Team Summit. It was an intelligent show. I got to showcase my intellect. And I mean, he just, he loved it. And that was what started our friendship. And, and it really was a, a friendship that lasted, you know, decades. So, um, but that's all. You know, I yeah. have lots of experiences with him, but like you said, Trey, that's going down with me to the grave. I'm gonna keep yeah, it. Hey, I don't care. If we fall, I don't care if we fall out. Whatever. I ain't telling exactly. I ain't telling exactly. Nothing. Doesn't matter. Yeah, nah, for ain't real. never gonna get told by me. <laughs> no. Um. So we got a question that we ask our guests at the end of the show. What advice would you give your 18 year old self? Buy Apple stock. <laughs> and amazon stock hey that's fact <laughs> and invest hey. in bitcoin there you go see you go. yes yes because i'll be thinking about that shit all the time i say damn let me tell you everybody who's everybody who says money can't buy happiness has either never been rich or has no experience with what happiness is really about <laughs> because maybe it can't purchase it physically because like the idea of happiness is what you're buying you're not you know you can't like purchase a thing that's happiness yeah but the reality is that having enough money to do whatever you want is definitely the environment my happiness is created in it is not created in the broke ass environment of having to struggle and stress over an extra hundred dollars a month like I've lived both sides of that. And I can tell you, I am happier when I have money. <laughs> so it might not be able to buy the happiness, but I am certainly happier in the company of more money. And so the one thing I would tell myself at 18 isn't about, you know, oh, the heartbreak that I could avoid and the people, no, 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 no. That all is going to happen is the nature of you being alive on the planet and living. You're gonna experience heartbreak. You're gonna experience failure. You're gonna experience joy. You're gonna experience success. None of that I would change. I would change the amount of money that I had access to because that changes everything. You can help more people, you can do more good, you can influence the environment around you more, you can create experiences where you can find joy in more, and you can avoid the struggles that come with being broke more. And all of that leads to greater happiness for me. I don't care what anybody says. Broke people are the ones that talk about money not being able to buy happiness. Amen. <laughs> so there that is. And that on it. is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> you can drop the mic on that one. Yo, this has been an amazing show. Um, we are, yeah, no, nah, I, I get it. <laughs> that was great. That was great. This has been an amazing show. You've been an amazing guest. Uh, thank you guys. You no, know, thank you again for joining us. Thank, thank you, Jason, you. for reaching yeah. out to her. Yes, and no. being consistent. Jason was so consistent. He I, stayed on me. It took me like so I disappeared for a month. He was like, "Yo, remember what he, you said?" He, he knows. He knows because <laughs> so you know I, I I will be doing a million things, and if he can't reel me in, 
I'm like, ah. so I emailed, That's how I am. and I'm when we started emailing, I was like, okay, now I got to start following up because, you know, <laughs> yeah. here, yeah, but I'm glad we did this. We Me definitely too. don't talk about Oklahoma. Let's go. Yes. So Let's I'm going to be following up with some facts soon. I, I literally have an Indian card, Muskogee, Oklahoma, Creek Tribe. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you. If I move there, I would open a casino. <laughs> and I will pull up for sure. See? Well, this thank you guys great. so much. And look, happy again. anniversary again. Everybody yeah. listening, keep watching. Follow the Growing Up the Same podcast. Young, young kings are doing amazing things. And, you know, I'm happy to support Where you Where can guys. they find you on social media? If you um, want to be found. That's another yeah, well, thing. Now it's okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Because <laughs> the phone is a buffer. No. um um i'm on social media mainly only on ig that's where i do most of what i do i understand it better i have a bigger following there it's easier for me to use it's seamless like i love ig so i'm at i'm ananda lewis dot or well not dot i'm ananda lewis is my ig tag it's at i'm ananda lewis and then i have an app called elixir that's available on all platforms and that's kind of like a nostalgic um platform that I just created to have a place to put my stuff that I didn't want other sites to be able to take down. I wanted it to just be my own. And I have a workout club on there. I have nostalgic, um, you would love the vault because there's all these old photos nobody's ever seen, stuff that I took myself from back then in that era we talked about. And also I had a photographer following me around for like two summers. And so I have pictures that nobody's ever seen. And then there's the fan mail that I got from MTV after I left. There's like 11 boxes of fan mail that no one ever opened. Well, that I definitely didn't open and I never got to read. So I'm opening that mail now, 20 years later. And I might track down some of these people that that sent me letters back then that I never responded to. Hey, that's fire. Yeah, so all of that is on the app. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out and I'll also, you know, blast that out. So, again, Oh, and it's Elixir with an A. A-L-I-X-I-R. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, that's Thank helpful. We'll be typing all the shit in. And, yeah, and it'll ask you, you spell it with an E, it'll be like, are you sure you don't want to spell it with an E? Like, no, I'm sure. It's A-L-I-X-I-R. <laughs> all right, well, thank you again. You have a wonderful Thank you, guys. Welcome. So nice to meet you and talk to you and continued success. Growing up the same wins the game!